0: Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Camara Coffee. Let's get real for a moment. We all love us some coffee. We got the boost in mental clarity, energy, mood. But what's the downside? Lots of these coffee brands do more harm than good in terms of our long-term energy. We get that crash. Camara Coffee solved that problem. And this is where it gets really cool. Camara Coffee sources their single origin beans from over 5,000 feet of elevation Then they infuse it with the highest quality nootropics. What are nootropics? Well, if you've never heard of them, um, to simplify it, they're essentially brain vitamins. They help promote a bunch of stuff like focus, cognition, memory, and just mental health in general. So I was a bit skeptical, and then they sent me some. And, uh, you know, I pride myself being from Seattle. I'm a bit of a coffee purist. And I've been using this stuff before interviews, and I can notice a significant difference in my mental acuity. I think I'm more in tune with the guests and I can process things better in my head. There's always that awkward pause after we're done talking about something um, where I either have to ask the next question or follow up with what they said. And sometimes, I mean, I have this brain fog and it feels like I can't even do it. Um, But I switched to this over the past uh, five or six interviews and I've really noticed that gap in between the them finish talking, and uh, me asking the next question has shrank. I'm going to continue using this. And if you want to try it, head on over to Camara Coffee. That's with a K. So it's K-I-M-E-R-A-K-O-F-F-E-E. Again, that's CamaraCoffee.com. And if you use the promo code PaleoHacks, all spelled out, you get 10% off your entire order. How do you change the current system For healthy food in schools. My next guest is Joe Cross. He's here today to talk about his new documentary, The Kid's Menu. You might have seen Joe from Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead, Australian film producer. Um, And he's got a real passion behind this and I love it. It was a great show. I love talking to him about the subject and focusing a positive light on it of what we can do, not a negative frame of those people are doing X, Y, and Z and it's ruining our system. So there's a lot of empowering information on here. Anyway, hey guys, I'm Clark from PaleoHacks.com. This is the podcast every Thursday. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. If you listen and subscribe to us on iTunes, um, head over to PaleoHacks.com for all our blogs, articles, and recipes. We do a lot of content over there, a lot of podcasts, and you can look through the archives to get every episode. And we have guests every week sharing information such as Joe, what he's about to do. Clark at ClarkDanger.com. If you want to get a hold of me, give me topic suggestions, guest suggestions, or just tell me your feedback, what you want to know, head on over there. Another great place to give feedback and support the show at the same time is our iTunes page. You can just go over there at Paler Hacks in the search bar, leave a rating and a review, and that really helps the show out and takes like three seconds. Okay, enough jibber jabber. You ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go hear what Joe Cross has to say. My next guest is an Australian filmmaker, entrepreneur, author and wellness advocate. He is most known for his documentary, "Fat Sick and Nearly Dead," which is awesome. And Thank uh, you. he told the story of a 60-day juice fast, and his latest documentary here to talk about the kids menu, with me is none other than Joe Cross. Thanks for coming on.,
1: well, Thanks for having me on mate. It's great to be on the show.
0: Well, great to have you. And uh, I guess before we start launching into a little bit of why I, I brought you on, um, I mentioned in other podcasts that there's really two ways to inspire change in people. And the first one is fear. It's fear driven. It's the most common one out there. It's based on what not to do. Don't eat gluten. Don't eat sugar. Don't, don't, don't. Don't vaccine. Yeah. You know? And and that's really negative. But the second one is, is to inspire hope and change is to empower people and tell them what to do. And get them to do the change. And uh, I really see your work falling into that second category, man. So, um.
1: Well, I appreciate Clark. Thanks, mate. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think that um, I talk about this a lot when I'm on the road is that very few people like being told what to do, but lots of people like telling others what to do. Huh. So there's a big disconnect there. And so you know, really, to, if you want to see change in the world, the, the single best way to change the world is to change yourself. And, and I'm a big believer in that. And what we need to do is we need to provide inspiration. Uh, we need to provide entertainment, mm-hmm. information, and we need to do all of that so that it's packaged up, so that it's fun, enjoyable, interesting. And that's a, a great way to get a message out.
0: And that's what you did with your documentaries, man. Those are awesome. And I want to touch on those in a little bit because they're really great. Um, but I'm, I'm curious then, how did you get to the point of where you wanted to change or were you always healthy or, or what was your journey like?
1: Well, I mean, I guess that the way I would think about it is that I was like pretty average um, in that I was 100 pounds overweight. I was on medication. I had debilitating illnesses, you know, I was average. Mm-hmm. So I allowed myself to get to that point pretty simply because I ignored um, Mother Nature and her plants is predominantly the main reason. I also wasn't very mindful of the current state of the, the, the world that we live in in that everything is set up for us to fail when it comes to our wellness you know whether it's the automobile, the elevator, the escalator, the moving sidewalks, the the apps on the phones that you can press and get ten thousand calories sent over with a funny man in a coloured suit at your door with a box, <laughs> um, and you know that the, the sugar, fat, and salt you know incredible combinations that hit our bliss points in our brains that the marketing. Yeah. So uh, if you're not mindful, you'll just end up eating the whole time and. That's if you fall into a certain category. Not everyone's like that, but, you know, about two-thirds of the population are very susceptible to this sort of emotional attachment to food. And and I certainly was one, you know, of those people. So, you know, I hit 40 years of age. I was 330 pounds. I was on medication. I was um, for debilitating autoimmune disease. I had a chronic illness for eight years. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. You know, I was off the charts. Sugar levels were very close to being pre-diabetic. I was a hot mess, and um, I was one, one bite away from a heart attack is how I like to think about it, a one cheeseburger away from a heart attack. Yeah. And so to me it was very much about um, realizing that that aha moment, as Oprah would call it, and that happened on my 40th birthday and I realized that I had turned my back on Mother Nature and I really needed to go towards her. And so I decided that um, the ears were finally open and you know the first thing I heard, um, people have been saying to me years, yeah, you healthy, you're a fat fool, da-da-da-da-da, but it all goes in one ear and out the other. Um, and and I, I heard that 70% of all disease is caused by lifestyle choices, you know. That's if you smoke, what you eat or don't eat, what you drink or don't drink, um, whether or not you exercise and move and how much, um, how your sleep is, how you manage stress, uh, are you connected to society? So I was like failing in all of those. Um, and so it was like, i got to do a complete change here, but you can't change everything. So I decided to go back and knock on Mother Nature's door and, and reintroduce myself to her and see if I did two years of eating plants, could I end up being in that non-seven, you know, that category where I am one of the 70% that's causing it. So in other words, my illness is is curable or at least manageable with plants. And that's, so that's what I said about doing and um, I I, um, I decided to do 60 days of juice to start mm-hmm. instead of, like, the two years of – well, actually, what I decided was I'd do two years of plants because I'd done 20 years of smashing myself. I figured <laughs> 10% would be kind of a number.
0: Yeah.
1: But to kick that off, I supercharged it with juicing for two months. And as it turned out, Clark, I mean, look, you know what? I did the two months of juicing. I then started the plant-based eating, which I was going to do for 22 months. Mm-hmm. But three months later, after eating, so five months in total, it's so 100 pounds down off all medication, and I didn't need to keep going on the plants. I was able to introduce other food groups in, albeit very slowly. And um, that was like nine years ago, and uh, I haven't been on, med- on meds or that illness hasn't come back. And you know, it's been fabulous ever since. Wow.
0: <laughs> really, really amazing and then you put that in the fat sick nearly dead documentary and uh, yeah, well,
1: I, I put a camera on myself for that change which is kind of lucky yeah
0: oh okay
1: um, I remember watching yeah, it, it. I, I, I'd never been a filmmaker a buddy of mine said you should film this because you're the least likely person to drink juice for 60 days and so I went, okay
0: <laughs> did it on a dare I like it <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I remember watching that movie and doing a juice fast myself after it's really convincing
1: yeah, a lot of people did that you're not Robinson yeah. Crusoe
0: yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, w- w- what's the process then? You know, you filmed it, you showed people, and then you had success, not just with yourself, but with the film altogether. Um, what's that process been like? It, you're kind well, of launched in the to film? It took
1: three years to get out, like from 2008 to 2011. And, uh, when it hit on Netflix and went viral pretty quickly, that was amazing. I mean, you know, it changed my life. And so I've been sort of trying to catch up. Hmm took me about three years to catch up to the audience and then now I feel like I'm at least a little bit out in front, (laughs) trying to be anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've made three movies. We we did the first one, which is Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. We then did a follow-up to we called it Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead 2 because it really was um, the impact that movie had had on so many people and following those stories. And then our latest film is all about kids um, and childhood, you know, obesity and how to combat that so i've been on a storytelling road i've also got a business called reboot with joe.com which is doing uh coaching and classes and it it has uh we have protein powder for juices we we sell machines i've got a joe cross juicer out now in the market which is just about to launch so you know I, i've sort of built around the brand of joe cross and reboot i've built a, a business that you know it's, it's very small but we're, we're trying
0: yeah So, the new movie, then, the kids' movie, when you get someone who's coming up to you, you know, let's just say CNN, and you get 20 seconds to pitch it before they cut you off, what do you say? How do you pitch the kids' movie?
1: So, it's called the kids'
0: menu. Kids' menu, sorry. (laughs) That's
1: all right. So, if I had 20 seconds, I'd simply say, listen, there's an enormous amount of people out there that know we have a childhood obesity problem, and making a movie pointing out all the problems, that's easy. What we wanted to do was to focus on incredible groups at a grassroots level that are focusing on the solutions. This movie is to start a conversation between kids, parents, teachers, school administrators, and community leaders. This is a film that we hope will inspire, educate, and above all, entertain the masses.
0: Beautiful. Love it. So I was looking through it, and uh – it was it was great. It was all about again empowering kids, empowering people to make changes. And uh, you know, there's even people in there who uh, felt like they were being played by the industrial complex of the food, and then they started educating themselves and they felt empowered. Um, it, that's kind of the theme of the of the movie, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I think I think that the what we wanted to do was be very important not to be preachy. Okay we've already discussed this, telling people what to do doesn't work. Let's show people what some people are doing and let's see if that resonates and, and can move something within so they can go, whether they're a kid or an adult or a teacher or an administrator, you know what? If they can do it, we can do it. And so that was the premise. Now, <clears throat> we, we sort of looked at what are the main hurdles, what are the main problems out there? that are causing this problem. And we sort of settled on three main areas, you know, not in any order but just three. And the first one we we agreed on was access. Hmm. You know, it's difficult for many kids and parents to get access to plant-based meals either as ingredients where they've got to make them at home or prepared, i.e. in schools. So access was an issue. Second one was the education part of the problem. And that's a twofold issue. We're talking about the education of what is healthy foods, okay? What are the smarter choices? And then the education of how to cook them, how to prepare them. You know, I know so many people that have got great intentions about trying to get their life back on track and they go into the supermarket, they go to the farmer's market, they stand there and it's... It may as well be all written in Chinese when they see produce because they just don't know what it means and they don't know what to do. They all have the best intentions. They try. They pick up a sweet potato. They get radishes. They get shallots. They they just don't know what to do. They don't know how to cook them. So that education part, Mm -hmm. knowledge and process. And then the third area was lack of healthy role models. Way too many athletes, way too many celebrities endorsing way too much junk. And also, parents um, not necessarily being the greatest role models for their kids either, because they themselves have fallen into the trap of a diet high in refined, processed foods. So, those three points is what we identified, and then we went out and about trying to see programs that were trying to combat and take on these issues.
0: So it goes beyond just trying to fix the school lunch that everyone's talking about. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's only – uh, it's an important part, but it's just one part.
0: Yeah. It seems like that gets all the press. It's like, oh, pizza's a vegetable now, and everyone wants to focus on the school lunch, school lunch, school yeah. lunch. But it goes beyond that to actually, okay, well, what happens outside? Well, it's of
1: easy. Things? I think it's easy for people to blame something, you know, like blame that. And and then uh, I feel good about myself because it's their problem, you know? yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it's a – look, do you, know, do you know where the most dangerous place to be in America is? Do you, do you actually know the most dangerous place in America? Because I tell you what, I've learned the last five years where that is. Uh,
0: someplace in the Midwest, like Detroit.
1: Between someone's hand and their mouth. That is a very dangerous place to be. You can't go around telling people what to eat, okay? You'll get all sorts of pushback, all right? So we have to be very careful how we discuss this subject and tackle this issue. We need to say, okay, here's the thing. If you take the average person and what they're eating, just one in 17 calories has what we call micronutrient density of richness in it. 16 of those calories have got macronutrients like protein, carbohydrate and fat, all important. But this ratio of 16 and one, that's an imbalance. That's the main reason we have such a high level of epidemic of disease in the Western world today, USA, UK, Australia, etc. So what we need to do is we need to start a conversation about how do we move the dial from one out of 17 to maybe four or five or six, still allowing people to have their pizza, have their burger have their hot dog at the ball game these things are still important and we don't want to start trying to get in the road of that hand and mouth when we talk about that what we're now talking about is not restricting we're talking about adding more produce into the conversation
0: sorry what was the 1 in 17 thing again that was the macro calories so, yeah so
1: so if you if you do the percentages of calories that are consumed uh-huh. by Americans, 60% of calories come from the bucket, which is processed food. A third or 33% come from animal products. And just 7% come from fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, seeds, whole grains. Now, if you take French fries, because they're in there because they're a potato, right? French fries are like 2%. I was being kind and leaving them in. If you take French fries out, you've got 5%, which means one in 20 calories, Right? It's got micronutrient density.
0: Okay. So that one in 17...
1: Is is with the French fries in because I'm just doing the basic plant food consumption.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I I like that. So you're empowering these kids. The most dangerous place to be is between their hand and their mouth. Um,
1: No, it's the most dangerous place for people like you and I to go between someone's hand and their mouth and tell them what to do. Well,
0: it's kind of ironic now. and The dinner... Conversations you are not allowed to talk about are religion, politics, and now even the food you are eating. Right? You can't talk it's about crazy that.
1: One. Isn't it? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, it, uh, is not sex also one of those ones you are not allowed to do at that at that subject? Is it that they add that in?
0: Sex, <laughs> you know? might as well add that one on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, how do you go then about, I guess, changing? Uh, the the school system that's got a lot of things backed behind it, or um, the kids' menu. How do you how do you go about it? What's your approach? I mean, you mentioned access, role models, education. Um, how well, do you-
1: they're, they're they're the hurdles. Right? Okay, so so I don't think there's one simple answer, like a magic bullet. But I think there is a number of things we can do that can certainly shift um, this problem because this is a massive problem. I mean, we don't need to do it, spend too much time on it, but Let's just focus in on, i say, one epidemic of disease, which is diabetes. 23 million Americans, 90 million pre-diabetic. That's like one in three is either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Hmm. That's a massive problem. You spend $3.3 trillion a year on healthcare in 2016. That's the number. It's like 70% of GDP. This is going to break the bank, this healthcare problem in the, in the country here, people being sick, and 70% of the disease caused by us. So... that is a backdrop that's the insanity we're dealing with here so to just think that one thing can fix all of that you're as mad as the actual numbers so what we've got to do is we've got to look at it as a holistic and a big we've got to look at it as a big approach so I personally believe the single best thing we can do is have the conversation going and getting people aware, getting people involved in the awareness about the problem and about the solutions so that they're aware of it and they can make their own choices as to whether they want to continue to eat their pizzas and French fries and burgers and live on those only I'm not talking about having them every now and then I'm talking about if they want to live on processed food only and do the average, which is, you know, that goes back to that percentages of 93% of calories coming from what I call the fun foods plants, uh, processed and animal. If you want to stay on that track, fine, it's your choice. You know, this is freedom here. You choose what you want to do, but you are going to – you can't ignore the biological laws of cause and effect. You will end up suffering if you do that. It's just the way the game's played. If you're someone who wants to make a difference in yourself and your family, then we have ideas for you. And there's opportunities, but you can't do this alone. Community plays a huge role in this. You need to be connected, right? You need to be aware. You need to be mindful all the time. You need to understand the relationship between you and food and you and Mother Nature are two critical things that we need to understand. We need to start loving ourselves more. We need to make commitments to start moving more. We need to make commitments to getting better sleep. There all of these things are important. But when you talk about just, for example, schools, mm-hmm. then I don't think there's a better way of hitting um, this area then with media. I think that producing content like what I've just done with my movie and what you're doing with your show and many others are doing with the, with the media side of podcasts, videos, movies, books, this is the information that has been so sorely missed and it hasn't been on the, on the front page or front of mind, I should say, there's no more front pages, but front of mind of people and so, I think that with schools, you've got four participants. You've got administrators, teachers, parents, and kids. You can't just have one group wanting change without the other three coming along and being a part of it. So that's where I think movies like mine and others can really be helpful to getting everyone at the table, wow, if that school in San Diego at Ocean Noel can do that, and if these guys at, at Food Corps are coming in and teaching kids about plants and Look what's happening when those kids get a garden and they create a nutrition class and the parents get involved. If they can do it there in Chicago, they can do it in Spokane, Washington. They can do it in Brooklyn. They can do it in San Diego. Why can't we do it here in Mississippi? Why can't we do it here in Miami? That's how I think you get the schools moving because the biggest problem the schools have is big business with the school lunches, big corporations. They own that space. One hundred thousand schools in America. It's a lot of money. Okay, yeah. so the only way you're going to get pushback on that is having all four stakeholders moving in the right direction.
0: Do you think it's getting better? Do you think we're starting to see change?
1: Yeah, I, I, I really do. I think that the kids today are hungry for change. They want to make they want to make this work. They're sick and tired of seeing their mum and dad sick and tired. And I think that you know young people today. And, I, and I, I, I mean, I talk about young people. You, what are you, in your 20s? 24. So you're young, all right, and as far as I'm concerned. So you're out there. You're doing this. There's an awareness, you know. You go back 30 years ago, there weren't too many 24-year-olds doing what you are doing and having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So we are moving in the right direction. And I think I try to highlight that in our movie that most of the experts I speak to see that we are making rapid change. And I think we're going to be blown away by the changes that are coming in the next 10 years.
0: So talk about maybe a story that really stuck out to you in the whole documentary. Do you have one that really resonates with you?
1: Well, look, I think that the main, the main themes of what I saw stood out. For example, I think that when you see kids um, – and it was a bit lost on me before I started this. I really didn't understand the power of the garden and the power of the seeds hmm. – And I remember back to when I was young, yeah, I used to dig that stuff, but when you get older, you forget about stuff like that, right? But, you know, when I saw kids actually planting, I saw them watering and nurturing, and, you know, they notice every little bit of growth and a new leaf, and they're very observant about these things, and they understand how bugs come into play and how the worms work and how the soil needs to be moist, and we've got to take care of this little ecosystem, and then all of a sudden a tomato comes and how exciting that is and it's their ownership that they, they were involved in this process. Then they harvest it. Now it's their tomato. No one else is having that tomato. It's theirs. I mean, they <laughs> own that. And it's going to be for them to enjoy. And then watching them chop and prepare or blend or juice, whatever the produce that's been made, and that isn't a healthy, that isn't health class. That's fun. And the side benefit is that they're hooked for life once you do that.
0: Yeah, I I can resonate with that even in high school. I remember I had a teacher, uh, India Carlson, who was like the best teacher I ever had. And it was a botany class. And we had this – luckily, we had a budget at our high school. It was the one thing we did right Um, where it was this giant greenhouse. (laughs) And the whole class was just planting, organic gardening, using worms. Um, and connecting with it. Okay, what happens when you put the plant with coffee? Okay, what happens with water? And just learning. And uh, there's some lessons that really stuck with me, and I I took into my more adult years and still continue to learn about health. But seeing that initial uh, spark of getting involved and taking that step and getting hands-on, I mean, I can resonate with that just from high school. It's important.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, the fact that I... That that I saw so many of these kids really involved and really getting into it. I mean, it was awesome. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited about what this movie is going to do because already, I mean, I've been I've been on a 13 city tour, and you know this this movie is now on iTunes, um, and people can watch it there, and it's going to be on Netflix later in the year. But already the conversation starting with kids and their parents from the kids that came along and watched this movie. It's awesome, great to see. <laughs>
0: I like the fact that um, you have the outlook that it's getting better. Because I remember, what was it, five, six years ago when Jamie Oliver did his TED talk that kind of really shook things up, where he's taking the wheelbarrow full of sugar and this is how much sugar you're eating. And he dumps it out on the TED stage and everyone's floored by it. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, look, look, there is, we, we, we still have a, no one's saying there's not a problem. But I think what's happening is, is since then to now, there is a huge groundswell from a grassroots level, maybe not so much from a government level, to actually tackle the problem.
0: So how can uh, parents, let's just talk to them real quick. There's a lot of them watching this show, listening to this show. They have young kids. Um, How can they really get involved? What's the best thing they can do with their kids?
1: So first thing is... um, I, I sort of think that parents have a responsibility to their children, they're not responsible for them. And I think that might be a subtle word, but it's a philosophical way of approach in that, you know, your kids are just little humans and they've got to make their own minds up, they've got to make their own choices up. But the best way to mold those minds and those habits is by what you do as a parent. And the rules, the habits that are in your own household. So it starts really you know, in the pantry, in the fridge, in the kitchen. It starts there. It starts with the habits of mum and dad. And that's the best place to start that conversation. If mum and dad are wanting to make change, and they know they've got to make changes, then to do it as a family is great if the kids are involved and want to be involved. So then it's a conversation of, saying, well, look, we're going to try and do this. We all want to do it as support. And it's including, rather than the telling, you're going to do it. It's, it's subtly is in words, like I, I said earlier. We need to get kids starting to be involved in a process where they think it's their idea. So that is critical. If mum and dad don't know how to cook plant-based meals, perhaps you go along and get cooking classes, but take the kids along so that they're involved in the process. When kids make the meals at home, they're much more likely to eat them and be excited about them, and it's a much better process than waiting for a doorbell to ring with a delivery. So these are tips. I think we've got to be careful not to be too hard on our kids. I mean, pizza's going to happen, soda's going to happen at parties. There's things that are going to happen, and what we need to do is trust them that at home, where most of the time they're spending – We've got some great habits, we've got some great you know, implementations in place like like habits and, 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 and the right sort of nutrition lying around, the, the healthy snacks. And when they go out, they go out and they're going to make a choice then. And if you've been living mostly on healthy food, you kind of know when you eat some of that other junk that you don't feel too good. And they'll work it out themselves rather than being told. It's the old story, you know, if we go to the park and say to all the kids, now, don't touch that bush over there. See that one over there? Don't touch that bush. Yeah. What are they going to do? Touch They're the bush, touch it. yeah. It's their kids. Grab so it under this it. Is, so it, it's, this is the thing. Also, what I found in talking to some psychologists and 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 Professor Brian Wonsink up at um, Ithaca at Cornell University, you know, there's been great results made in, in studies or great results from studies when you place two things in front of a kid, you put like a, Cheese, um, you know, cheese slice or a, or, a, or a piece of piece of pizza and you put a healthy salad, like, a, you know, one that looks good. And you say, all right, little Johnny, what would Batman eat? <laughs> right, so you take the conversation, not what you should eat, but what would one of your heroes eat? And they found an increase where the majority of kids who who said, oh, Batman would have the salad... When they had the choice of what they wanted to eat next, they chose the salad. Hmm. More than half. So these are little tips that I think that that parents – but you know, I think they're going to have to see the whole movie because I packed a lot of information in. I'm only just giving a few little nuggets.
0: Yeah. Uh, Going off those nuggets, those are really awesome and mind-blowing. Was there anything that you learned throughout this whole process that really – Oh, I learned
1: learned everything. I learned everything. (laughs) I'm constantly learning.
0: So, Joe, what was some of like the biggest insights you got out of this movie?
1: Well, I go back to the kids being involved and how connected that was. Um, the insights that doctors are now prescribing fruits and, and vegetables instead of medications under a program here at the in Harlem at the Harlem Hospital, wow. uh, brought on by Michelle Nishan, who's done a who's done a fabulous job. Um, kids, uh, like what was happening at Ocean Knoll School over in San Diego that I featured in the movie, how. These kids are doing yoga, they're doing nutrition classes, they've got gardening, they've got cooking classes. I mean, this is all happening after school activities. This is all part of a wellness program that's integrated into curriculum. So, so they're just some of the things. You know, Wind, Windy City in Chicago, the south side of Chicago, one of the poorest neighborhoods there, um, there is there is incredible work being done over there. Eliza, who is heading up the Windy City Harvest, you know, they get 60 kids who, you know, are coming from very tough backgrounds hmm. and they're working through uh, a, a harvest program there for, I think it's like nine weeks, 12 weeks, and they're working 20 hours a week. And I tell you what, these kids coming in, they don't even want to touch a collard green. When they're leaving, they get the whole family eating vegetables and that's changing their lives. So these things and seeing this happen, it's pretty extraordinary.
0: Yeah, I saw the one guy who was saying he's an OG, an organic gardener.
1: Well, wow, that's DJ Cabin out there in Denver. I mean, you know, he's a rapper and an MC, and he's he holds lots of classes in his mother's grow house, and he's making incredible impact over it. And I met DJ with his family, and you should see his four, four kids. You've never seen a healthier set of kids in your life.
0: Wow. Um, so there's probably a question that you get a lot uh, when people see this movie, and they say, this is great, we're making changes in schools, but... Schools are so underfunded and there's a lot of budget cuts. You know, they're cutting PE. Now they get uh, 30 minutes every other day or something like that. How do you go about incentivizing the schools? Well, uh,
1: well, okay. Well, first of all, the movie is not only about schools. It's a part of it. So the point I was saying earlier is there's lots of other places outside the school, your own house, the community, da, 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 you can do, right? But if we're talking about schools, there is a certain amount of money going on lunch. It's already there. The money's already going, Mm -hmm. it's going on processed junk. It's how do you shift that money into other programs where it's coming to more plant-based meals? And how do you make that change? So it's not so much of of absolutely going in and completely changing everything. A lot of it can be redirecting funds that are already being being put to use somewhere. Now admittedly, some of these plant-based meals May cost more. However, with the community involved and then using school facilities to grow produce, which is what's happening, and then selling that produce out into the community, they're funding what's going on. So they're becoming self-funding.
0: Mm, I like that. Okay. Um, <sighs> And then with like, okay, so say a 24-year-old guy like myself, I'm not in school, I don't have really a connection to it, what can I do to help or get involved um, either you know, in the school or outside of the school as well? What would you recommend? Oh, so
1: so like Food Corp is a great organization. They are looking for service members uh-huh. who sign up, are taught a, a curriculum, and they go into schools and they... Um, uh, seconded out for a program, and they go in and they do classes, and they do gardening, they do smoothie making classes, juice making classes. They teach kids how to cook, process uh, plant food, so that they have less processed food in their life. East Hampton Wellness Foundation, another incredible organisation up there in the in the Hamptons. And you might think the Hamptons is a very affluent area, but there's lots of workers there. There's lots of people that are blue collar. And this foundation is doing cr- tremendous work at the local public school, getting teachers and kids involved, and they're looking for volunteers. So there's, there's, there's definitely opportunity. And someone like yourself in a position who's got a platform and a voice, you can spread the word, you can do that, um, you can help give information to parents and kids. There's, you know, the Sprouts is a great organisation. We feature them. They've got like talking carrots, Colby Carrot. <laughs> he goes on tour, goes into schools. Um, you know, there's, there's there's lots of ways.
0: Okay, okay. Um, switching gears a little bit, Joe. Into I guess filmmaking. This is a part that really fascinates me um, about about you. How do you go about constructing a movie? That seems like such an overwhelming task. How did you? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Where, where do you start?
1: Well, you start with. Um, you start with what's the story, what's a good story? For example, you know, I still think there's a great diabetes movie to be made and a heart disease movie to be made, uh, two big issues in the, in the nation. So the question is how do we tell that story and, and what's going to be our best way? Now, I'm thinking about that now because I'm hoping I can make those movies, one of those movies soon, both over time. But it's like we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what can we do and how would we share that without beating people over the head with – Look, you know, this yeah. is diabetes. So, you know, with respect to the kids menu, you know, we felt that there's a couple of approaches. We could go out and point out all the problems that are going on and have a whole movie about data and how terrible things are and these kids are doing this and, you know, scare the crap out of everybody. But we thought, you know what? What movies ever shone a light on all these incredible people that are doing amazing things? Let's, let's, let's get some inspiration in. So once you start going out and firing half a dozen of those and filming them, you bring that footage in, you start to see what's working, what's not. You start to see, oh, we've got a bit of a thread here about kids making their own food. So maybe we should drill down a bit on that. Let's find an expert who can talk to that. And so slowly, it takes time, takes about 18 months, Hmm. and it's a lot of work full time for like half a dozen people and it's quite expensive. But you start to morph um, your 110 hours of sh- shooting content into 85 minutes. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's how it sort of comes together.
0: So lots of lots editing, of man. Editing. Do, do you do
1: the editing or are you with the team? Oh, no, no. I, 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 can't, I can't touch a keyboard when it comes to editing. But I, I'm very involved in the rough cuts. Um, once they put some – we call it strings. They put strings together, mm-hmm. which is scenes. So I'll look at scenes and then we'll rate scenes. So we might end up with, you know, 20 scenes of which only eight make it into the movie. Hmm. So I'm involved in, that. that's not good. Or we're we're saying the same thing here and the same thing here. So which one's better? Because one of the big problems with movies when they haven't really, you know, there's a lot of repetition in movies and repetition is boring and people switch off when it's repetitive. Yeah. So you've got to be very careful that, that the message that's coming through to the audience isn't repetitive. But otherwise, it's like boring. Yeah. So, so that, so, it, 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 you know, I've got some great people who work for me who are, who are seasoned professionals. So, I've learned a lot from them. Yeah.
0: I, I love the fact that you focus on stories. I think that's really important. I was reading a book, uh, Talk Like Ted, and it analyzes all the TED Talks, which are arguably some of the best speakers of all time. And they're looking at what they speak and they say, okay, let's break it down. What percentage is facts and numbers? What percentage is credibility? What percentage is stories and you know the ethos, logos, and pathos? And they found that about 10% was uh, credibility About 30% was logic, but that 60% chunk, what really made the best talks the best viral were the stories behind it.
1: Yeah, storytelling without question is the um, storytelling, we've been doing it ever since we had ears and, and, and a tongue, right, like forever. Yeah. And whether it's around a campfire, flicking light by a campfire, or flicking light on a screen in a cinema, or what we're doing now, Uh, Yeah, there is a skill to telling a story and some people have it and some people don't and it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a blessed thing if you can and when you can get some people together who know how to tell a story grouping together and that's when the best films come out because everyone's working in the right direction and you get the subtleties and strengths and weaknesses all coming together so that the strengths shine.
0: Hmm. A couple more questions for you, Joe, uh, before we let you go. I ask all the guests these, so these are some of the favorites. Sure. Uh, th- the first one is, over the past year, looking at it, what's been the biggest lesson you learned?
1: Biggest lesson I've learned? Well, well biggest one. I think that... Um, you know, I, I'm still amazed at, at how much the knowledge that we have is actually within and that what we're looking for is people to help bring it out mm-hmm. in that, that we have, you know, it's an old saying that I like, which is, you know, you don't learn anything new, you just remember what you've forgotten. And I'm, I'm a big believer that inside our hearts, our spirit, our mind, we have this abundance of knowledge when it comes to what's right, what's wrong, what's the way forward, which way shouldn't we go? And I think that what I've learned a lot is that you've got to trust that internal voice a lot more than perhaps the outside voices and that what you've got to do is use the outside voices to help allow the inner voice to come out. So I think I've learned that. Probably the close second was would be that the more honest you are, the more humble you are, the more... Uh, respectful you are the further you go.
0: Hmm. Phenomenal, phenomenal lessons. I love that first one, especially Uh, learning is remembering. uh, The next question then is what are some of your favorite resources or books? Like where do you get your information from?
1: Yeah, so I'm not, I mean, I'm not much of a reader. I mean, I read a lot online. I don't read books. I notice you've got a whole lot around you. I don't read them. It makes me look smart. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) You know, I I, I I enjoy writing my books. Believe it or not, I enjoy that process. It's 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 it, it, that, that's a fun process um, of writing my books. But you know, if I talk about inspiration or where do I get it from, I mean, I speak to lots of smart people, so I really enjoy those conversations, and I do ask a lot of questions, and I'm I'm, I'm not afraid to ask, and I think that's something we've all got to do more of: is not be afraid to ask a question. Mm. Um, there was an old saying that, which I don't agree with, which is it's better to sit there and let people think you're an idiot than open your mouth and prove it. <laughs> See, I, dis- I disagree with that. I think you've got to open your mouth and you've got to have a go. So um, I'm always the one asking the stupid questions, but I learn a lot that way. So I learn via talking. I learn via listening. I learn via watching. And, you know, I'm a big fan of film. I think storytelling on film and documentaries is a great way to learn. I actually, um, when I'm working, I have um, uh, cable news running in the background uh, quite a lot, and I switch it over from the far right to the far left <laughs> to the centre, and I like to get a lot of information that way, not so much information that what they're saying, but the way they say it and how what they're trying to get across, and I learn that way because I think that's, that's quite interesting and important. So yeah, I mean, I think that that um, that I, I sort of I'm, I'm probably not someone specific. I guess the people who inspire me the most are everyday folks, people you would never know, hmm. people who have got three or four kids that are holding down two jobs that are still been able to get a plant based meal on the table every night and every school every morning. I, and I think these people they they blow me away, and I'm inspired by. I'm much more inspired by more regular people than I am by wealthy and famous people.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joe cross thanks so much for coming on man this is phenomenal the kids me- kids menu movie.com is the best place to find it
1: yeah and also I'm at reboot with Joecom and I'm on Instagram at Joe the juicer and Twitter the same at Joe the juicer and you know the movies on iTunes it was from April 1 and it'll be on Netflix later in the year and we're super excited about it so we've got a school package that's also available if you want to get into your school you can buy that off the website and get that in and share it and uh, We just hope this movie really starts a conversation that can make America, Australia, the UK, the Western world a better place.
0: Phenomenal, man. I mean, I love what you're doing with uh, shining the light on what to do and uh, not trying to just add to the fire with all the negativity and finger pointing out there. So it's
1: important stuff. Thanks, Clark. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. You keep doing what you're doing, mate, and we'll all be doing our best.
0: Awesome. Till next time, Joe. Cheers, on. We are done. That is a wrap. Hope you guys' Aprils are off to a good start. Everyone's up and moving. Uh, PaleoHacks.com. Head on over there for blogs, articles, recipes, and our archives, where you can listen to every single episode we've ever done over the last three years for free. Free 99. Don't pay a dime. Uh, For a limited time only. 20% off. All right. And check out Joe Cross's movie, The Kid's Menu. Awesome stuff. Um, iTunes. Rumor has it it's coming to Netflix soon in the near future. In the meantime, his other movie, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead is a great one. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, guys, stop settling, start living. We'll see you next Thursday.